Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the NBA Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your favorite host, Rob Bruin, along with my good brother, T. Rose. What's the word, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Great holiday weekend. Enjoy the time with the fam. Got to hang a little bit. But now it's Monday, 2 p.m., and we back to it. Yo, you know what's crazy, bro? Over, I would say since Juneteenth, the amount of firecrackers and fireworks that I've been hearing for the past three, four weeks, I don't know about you, (laughs) (laughs) has been crazy like it's non-stop like i'm talking no, like I'll, all day bro it's just going 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 yes when, when was it um july 4th the actual day was mm-hmm. insane they were going until like two three in the morning i mean they've been going in the morning from like three four five in the morning but it was from like the middle of the day straight into the nighttime insane bro yeah man it's, it's been crazy here too uh, the other day, they were going crazy. Even my grandma had to go out there and say, hey. <laughs> she like, hey, turn it down. Can, 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 y'all, can y'all turn it down a notch? I know it's the fourth. But uh, but no, nah, it's been firecrackers everywhere. And again, it was a great holiday weekend for me. Time to spend with the family. Just chill, relax, take a little dip in the pool. So it's good. Now it's time to work, though. <laughs> Must be nice. I wish I could walk outside and take a dip, too. <laughs> you know, just put my toes in. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. So check this out. McCoy Maker commits to Howard University, the five-star recruit. I mean, he's just a straight-up dog. He's actually the biggest prospect in Howard history, the first five-star recruit to join a program since the metric system started back in 2007. And according to 24-7 Sports, he's the number four center in the country. Tell me how this really impacts college basketball. Well... McCore Maker making this decision just becomes trendsetting, man. Like, we've been hearing a lot of talk. We've been hearing a lot of speculation of other young talents making this decision to commit to an HBCU. But he's actually been one that stood on it, and he's become the first that we've seen do it in a while. Obviously, the 6'11", 235-pound center is a force to be reckoned with. And going to Howard, we understand that they're not a talented team. I think maybe last year before the season ended, they won maybe three. Yeah, they were one of the worst. Yeah, three, four games, yeah. So, obviously, we know he's not going there necessarily because, you know, they're overly talented but he feels that he can make a difference and again this can become trend setting and you never know other young talents seeing him make this decision may make them want to jump on board so i commend mccord maker for making this decision and hopefully we can see other young guys do this represents the hbcus i like that mccord maker making the decision that's fire but see my mm-hmm. thing is this i really for me i think that gms in the nba really need to be paying attention to this because a young man that's willing to make that step, going to a school that is not a winning school. Howard, for people that don't know, that's the HB. That's like the Yales of, you know, HBCUs, basically. So that's big in the HBCU realm, especially in the black community. But I think it's really dope because he just really showed that he was here to make a statement. Correct. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say that he should have went there. I mean, I feel like he should be in the HBCU, but going to a school that doesn't have a winning record, that speaks to character. 
that's the type of person you want to be a part of your organization. So I think that that's real dope. And hats off to him, man. I, I think Mikey Williams had a slot. But like me and you were saying a little earlier, McCord Maker, he just made his statement with that. Not to take anything from Mikey Williams, but he had a moment, I think. And um, right. I guess it was just from McCord Maker. I'm nobody to say that it wasn't Mikey Williams' moment, but he took advantage of the situation. He put his money where his mouth is, and he's capitalizing yeah. on the situation. Especially when you look at the list of schools that McCord Maker could have went to. When you talk Absolutely. about Absolutely. Talk about UCLA, mm-hmm. when you talk about Kentucky, talk about Kansas, USC. So he had options. He chose. He had big he, options. Yes. Yes, he did. So to to put his money where his mouth is and to stand on it, to make a decision to say, you know what, I want to, one, be a leader, and two, hopefully create a wave that other young kids will be able to join and hopefully make a difference at some of these HBCUs. We've got to start putting our money, our power where it matters, and that's in our community. So, again, like you say, I commend McCormick for making that decision 100%. To take it a step further, not to put unnecessary pressure on him, but do Mm -hmm. we think less of him if Howard doesn't become a winning school within his time frame of him being there? Well, well, like I said, one, he's only (laughs) one person. (laughs) He's only one person. And two, they only won three, maybe four games last season. So... I don't, I don't expect them to go. Because me and you both know in basketball, you need a team. It's a team sport. Mm-hmm. So right. now for me, the big thing for McCord Maker and Howard's going to be is who else can they get to come play with him? They need something that'll, else, man. Yes. That'll be nice because he's a center also. If you can get someone that could play the point guard. So I got to give him the ball. The <laughs> yes. So if you get if you can get another uh, top tier talent that could come play with him, that can run the point, that can run the wing, I think that that'll be good. But again, I don't, I won't, I never think less of him because he made a decision that he feels best for him. So I commend that. But if they don't win, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. But hopefully, this high this this high caliber of talent, he can make a difference for the team. Yeah, I think that that's real important too because you know maybe we'll see him be a ball dominant center maybe. Cause it's not like he can't bring the ball up. He's shifty. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he has handle. He can go coast. Yeah, he can go coast to coast. So, you know, just like and Draymond, I, he has the ability to you know push the ball. There's times with Draymond mm-hmm. Green, not to compare them because they're not really in like the same category, kind of. But Draymond has the ability to bring the ball up, and so does um, McCourt. So I think that that will be dope to see if they even transition to him into that slot at certain times. Yeah, even and a lot of people forget he has a cousin that plays in the NFL that plays in the NBA. Don Maker, excuse me, Don Maker, and he mm-hmm. he's not a ball dominant uh, power forward, but he could put nah. the ball on the floor. He can get it up court. He, he can facilitate a little bit, but I think McCord Maker is a more athletic, more versatile uh, center power forward position than his cousin Don Maker. So you never know. We'll be able to see, and hopefully with that coaching system, they'll be able to make things fit so that his game is able to be suitable for the program. Speaking of Don Maker, I think it was last season or maybe the season before. Don't do this. Westbrook was coming down the lane. Don't don't, don't do this. Don't don't do this. Westbrook hit him with the hezzy, came back left, and then... Look, it's, it's fresh off the love. holiday weekend. It's, all it's fresh off the holiday weekend. We got to give love. You know, we got to let the family, you know, I'm just bring saying, that in. It's all but love. I that. Yeah, that was I nasty. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he does too. Of course. All right, man. So 
you know, LeBron James Jr., he just can't help it. He's in the news. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of articles that are, you know, floating around the internet right now from, you know, reasonable, um, incredible sources, I would say. Uh, Bronny could possibly commit to the HBCU North Carolina Central under the coach Lavelle Moulton. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And um, right now it's looking like Bronny only has two offers from Kentucky with John Calipari and um, North Carolina Central. Like I was saying, that's a historical black university. I thought that Lavelle Moulton really said something real pivotal because he had a moment where he was really speaking about what what Kentucky really stands for and what their coach, how they named the court after his coach. I'll actually pull up the quote for us real quick. He said, and quote, when you think of the atrocities that have happened in our society, in a society where an arena is named after someone who was a known racist at a school where if these kids were playing back when he was coaching, he would not have allowed them on his team. And those schools would not even have allowed them to attend. That's a very strong quote. I get 100% what he's saying and not to bring everything back to race, but these are just facts, right? So that's a very deep statement, at least to me, because being a part of a history, knowing that a school really didn't want you to be there at that time. You know, if we even go back to the movie, uh, you seen the movie Glory Road? Of course. Great movie. Yeah, Great. One of the best basketball movies, in my opinion. Uh, Don Haskins over at, um, I believe it was, what was it? Texas Western, I believe Texas it was called. Western. Yeah, it was Texas Western. And, you know, at that time, John Haskins just made a statement, only starting seven players in the, um, in the championship game for the NCAA. So I don't know. I think a lot of weight. Yeah, all black, all black, everything. So I really think that Bronny has to be aware, you know, of not the clout, but the type of power he has in his decision. I know that's a lot to put on a young man at this time in his career, but um, I, I really trust that his pops, obviously we all know who that is. LeBron is really going to do right by him. And everybody knows that LeBron, quote unquote, said a few years ago that he wants his son to go to Duke, but maybe things are going to shift in terms of that area. What's your take on that? Well, first thing first, we have to acknowledge that Kentucky didn't just name their, their court after Adolph Rupp yesterday. Like, that court's been named <laughs> that was after years. him for years, years, years and yeah. years. So I understand with the, with the coach of North Carolina Central, I understand what he's saying and I understand he's concerned, but if you can slant your opponent to make it work in your favor, sometimes mm-hmm. that's what you'll do. And I feel like that's what he did. But I, again, I think it would be great and transcending to have another top tier talent like a Bronny James. And again, he only has two offers. He's still young going into his sophomore Very year. Give him, give him time. You know what I mean? Like that, these kids, they have to make these decisions so fast and so quick. Yeah. You don't give them chance to really process it all. So again, I understand what the coach from North Carolina central is saying, as far as the court being named after someone who we've known to be racist, but I mean, they didn't just start that. We've seen so many African-American talent go through the University of Kentucky that has went on to be successful and succeed. But again, it's Bronny's decision. So he has to live with that and he has to, you know, decide and go play wherever he chooses to play. So, um, I mean, we'll see how it goes. You know, Bronny's another one who who puts a lot of speculation out there. But again, I'm, I'm riding. I'm, I like guys like McCord Maker who's going to make the decision and do it. I don't want to just hear people talking and speculating. Yeah. And I think also to kind of like to what you were saying, if you could find a little window just to take a little bit of opportunity, you're going to take it. You know, um, of course. 
I'm not going to say that Lavelle Moulton isn't trying to capitalize on this moment, but if it's a strength for him, he's going to use it. You know, I mean, what mm-hmm. he's saying is true, but um, it just could be a little indifferent in that situation, I guess you could say. But um, yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to really wait to see what Bronny does, because like you were just saying, he's so young. He averaged like close to seven points last year. He had a few games where he really stood out and. It is a lot of pressure to put on him right now. I think that we all need to back off and just just let him play ball right now, you know? Yeah, man. Let the kid grow. Let him play basketball. You know, he's still at home playing Call of Duty 2K. Like, Yeah, he's still just, a child, just, man. He's young. Yeah, like, give him, give him time. Give him time to grow. So, we'll see. And then again, the way LeBron, well, the way Bronny is set, you know, how talented he is, he may get more offers. He may not pick neither one of them. So, again, we'll That's just true have to too. see. I said, true. Neither me nor you has the crystal ball. Mm-hmm. So obviously we all know this is the prospects podcast, so it wouldn't be right if we didn't touch a little bit on a couple of prospects. I want to start first. I want to go with my sleeper. Malachi Flynn from San Diego State. Point guard. Mm, okay. Real fluent, smooth game. Steph Curry range. He's crafty. He gets in and out the lane with ease. He's great with the pick and roll. He's been in college for three years now, so I know that when you look at the NBA, they're probably saying that he's probably a little bit older than they would want him to be. But um, he's seasoned. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. players that we see that have been in the league three, four years, and they come out doing well, i.e. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry, Kyle Kuzma, you know, D-Wade, the, the list goes on. So I think I really like Malachi Flynn's game, though, because he's under the radar, and I believe – San Diego State ended the season on like 32 and one as well, too. Mm-hmm. So he had a very good year. And each year he progressed and got better. And um, I think he's a standout. He definitely will be a solid backup point guard, at least starting for sure. You, you love you love giving somebody the crown of backup point guard. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you, you love crowning somebody a backup point guard. You know what I mean? Go ahead. Talk about Cassius Winston, man. Go ahead. Talk no, look, look I, I, what's understood don't need to be explained. You feel me? As a fact. Right. But the person I would have to pick who I feel like, and he's not really a sleeper. We've heard his name be mentioned, but I kind of feel like LaMelo Ball has overshadowed him a little bit. R.J. Hampton. Played overseas, the New Zealand Breakers, 6'5", 175 pounds. He got crazy bounce. Yeah, very athletic. He can run the floor. He can shoot. Kind of like a slim frame. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Jamal Murray from the Denver Nuggets when you compare Mm. the two games. So He's a baller. He is. He's a baller. mm Mm-hmm. So I think R.J. Hampton is someone who I'm looking forward to. I know I think he maybe played 15 games with the uh, with the New Zealand Breakers. Wasn't earth-shattering numbers or anything of that caliber, but you saw the consistent level of play. And when you look at his size, his frame, and an ability that which he can score, the way that he can facilitate, and the way that he opens the floor, being 6'7", where he could play the perimeter, but he could also play the point guard, I think that's going to allow him to be able to prosper when you talk about playing in the NBA. Absolutely. Now, I need your advice on this. I'm going to just throw this out here. I know a lot of people may not like it, but I need y'all to hear where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. Anthony Edwards is a freshman, right? Mm -hmm. Georgia was like a 500 team this year. They weren't the best. They were just an average team. The Syracuse Orange were an average team, right? So when when (laughs) when you put Anthony Edwards right here, you put Elijah Hughes right here. 
They both averaged 19 points a game. Eliza Hughes was of all ACC first team, right? And when I look at the dynamics of the situation, I don't know if the NBA scouts are looking at the fact that Anthony Edwards is younger, if that really matters, or you're going to go with somebody that is more seasoned. Because I know Eliza Hughes is like 22, 23 years old. But when you look at their games, you can't tell me that Anthony Edwards, in my opinion, is way better or even better than Elijah Hughes. So for him to be top five and Elijah Hughes to be at the bottom of the first round or going into the second round, it's a little confusing to me. What's your take on that? Well, Anthony Edwards, he's, he's a, he just has God-given ability. When you talk about mm-hmm. him being 6'5", 215 pounds, being able to play the wing, strong, fast. He reminds me of a stronger, more fit Victor Oladipo, how athletic yeah, he is. a lot of people are saying that. Has. So he, he kind of reminds me of Victor Oladipo. But I think you have to always consider, too, the two conferences in which the school, in which these players play. And we talk about okay. Anthony Edwards playing at Georgia in an SEC conference, Elijah Hughes, Syracuse University, ACC. So I think that that always plays a factor in when you talk about the teams that these, these players are facing up against. But, Meaning who got the short end of the stick, though, not to cut you off? Um, Me personally, I, I think the ACC is a tougher conference, but I feel Is it not? Point. I think I, I do believe it's a tougher conference when you start talking so about So then shouldn't this. he be valued more? Um, You get what I'm saying? No. I, I say no because his level of play was not as consistent as someone like Anthony Edwards. Elijah Hughes struggled a lot in the earlier part of the season, finding the groove, finding his motion, finding his range. I think he plays good in spurts, but I feel yeah, like he Anthony definitely Edwards, plays in spurts. Definitely, but I feel like Anthony Edwards is someone who who can give you easily. 20 points a night without a question. So I think that level of consistency from Elijah Hughes has kind of derailed him as far as being higher up on that list when you talk about NBA prospects. Anthony Edwards was a guy I watched in the Maui tournament coming out giving teams 30, 40 points. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I I just didn't see that from Elijah Hughes. But do not sleep. I do feel like Elijah Hughes is going to be a player that is going to be a sleeper when you talk about getting to the professional level. When we talk about right now and people opening their eyes and watching and and formulating a a prospect, I think that Anthony Edwards has the upper hand just based on his level of consistency and being ready for the league right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fair. I respect that. And uh, as we wrap up, you know, the prospects part, Tyrese Maxey, he had not a questionable year, but he's a very talented guard. Obviously, he went to University of Kentucky. I really like the way that he gets to the rim. He's not a great shooter, but he's very crafty. He gets to the basket with ease. And matter of fact, didn't Kentucky smoke Michigan State that first game of the year? Wasn't that? Oh, I was just making sure. I was just making sure my. My mental was I got, I got, hey, look, man, I ain't got none of this shit, man. <laughs> I think he gave you like a calm but, 26 too, right? Okay, okay. So I like I like where you went with that. I like where you went with that. I feel like that game brought a lot of hype to Tyrese Maxey. Really? Coming into the seat. I do because he had a breakout game, played well, and he was young, and Coach Calipari trusted him in big moments. So mm-hmm. I feel like that formulated a lot of hype around him, but I don't feel like throughout the season his level of play yeah. stayed consistent. I feel I like agree. he wavered a lot. So I think that that's where 
things get a little tricky about Tyrese Maxey because you don't know what you're going to get on a consistent night from mm-hmm. him. But I think that Michigan State-Kentucky game at the beginning of the season, it put a lot of eyes on him. But going into the season on a consistent level, I don't think that he was performing on a consistent basis that allowed people to say, you know what, I think that he's ready. Because me personally, I would love to see him stay another year. But obviously he's like hurt. He's ready. It would never hurt. So I feel like if he, if he feels he's ready and, and, and people are telling him that, they're, they're ready for him to be on their team, then, hey, do what he needs to do. But I would have loved to see Tyrese Maxey stay another year at Kentucky. You know these young boys are going to get to the bag no matter what we're talking about right now. So <laughs> that's that's going to happen every single time. And Coach Calipari is enforcing it. If, you, if y'all want to go, go. Go ahead. Go, go this, ahead. this is if the factory for that anyway. Mm-hmm. Wait, they just running them through there. Go ahead. You next, you next, you next. So, hey, we'll <laughs> see how it works out for them. That's exactly what they're doing. Now, one of my favorite talents coming out of high school right now, we, we have to just pause and pay this man a little bit of homage because Yo. Josh Christopher, a.k.a. J-Gup, the uh-huh. six foot five wing guard out of Lakewood, California. He's the overall 10th prospect in the class of 2020. The Arizona State commit, he chose over UCLA, Missouri, and Michigan. You know, I would say he has that D-Wade type of game. He just has that dog. Like, when he cuts to the lane, he's either going up or he's pulling up for a smooth jump shot. You know, not mm-hmm. a not a great three-point shooter. Got no, nah, and when he goes to the basket, he's going he's going. It's tough. mean. He's going mean. tough. Like, and that's yeah. why I say he reminds me so much of Flash. I, have, I had to agree mm-hmm. with you and brought that up. The way that he could get to the basket, how elusive he is when using his footwork, his stutter step, his hesitations getting to the basket, reminds me so much of D-Wade. Yeah, and I have to say it was great watching um, him sit down with Gilbert Arenas on the No Chill podcast. Big shout out to Gilbert Arenas. And really just, you know, break bread, just talk about Gilbert Arenas gave him a lot of insight on how much work it takes to be an athlete. Something that Gilbert Arenas really said that stuck out to me is how much time NBA players have within their day. They're like, after mm-hmm. two-hour practices, that's it. So he's like, you need a, a hobby or something, but that's how you really see which players grow. Because after that two hours, it's like, go ahead, do what you want for the day, you know? So um, I think that that's a great uh, – that was a great moment for Josh Christopher. And I hope he really soaked up a lot in that moment because Gilbert Arenas gave him a lot of uh, a lot of insight. And uh, just a little background information on uh, Josh Christopher. His brother goes to Arizona State, older brother, which was a heavy influence on him. His brother, Caleb Christopher, he could ball too. I didn't even know. I never really heard of him prior to this. But um, he has huge bounce. Uh, like we said earlier, Josh Christopher is 6'5". Caleb is six foot, and he got mean bounce. So it was... It was, it was good to see him on camera, you know, um, getting up like that. And Josh Christopher is the school's top-rated commitment of all time, even passing the great James Harden. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, that, mm. that was dope to find out, too. Yeah. I believe James Harden was 14th. And, okay. um, you know, yeah. So, that's, that's a dope shout-out to, to Josh Christopher. Hopefully, he stays in the gym. And I love what ASU's been doing. Coach Bobby Hurley has really taken mm-hmm. that program and turned it around. And I commend him for that because ASU's been a team for the last 
at least two years, you've been looking at to, to kind of make a push. And I feel like getting a commit like this, like Josh Christopher, I think this will excel them. It'll take them up. Hump. Yeah, I feel like it'll take it up a notch in the, in the great coaching system that, that Bobby Hurley has there and, and the way that he's been able to, to, to put that, that team together and, and form that camaraderie and get this talent. I'm eager to see how ASU comes out this year. Yeah, no, nah, that, that's a big fact. I can't, I can't disagree with you more on that. All right, so guys, we have this new segment on the show. We, you know, we we touch upon you know a few other things that's going on because we love to talk basketball at all times, but we just want to be well versed. So we need we're gonna have this segment where we say, "Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what's going on in the world. The little things that popped out to us that are current events, and uh, we'll just shout them out." So Troy, Washington Redskins are looking to change their name. How you feel about that? Is that the right direction or the right move, or you think that should they should just keep the Washington Redskins name? I think this is a decision that's that's past due. So to answer your question, yes, they need to change the name, and I feel like we shouldn't have to put so much hype and circulation around this issue. I feel like as the owner Dan Schneider, I feel like if you understand the the sensitivity. To, to the name and how it's affecting or the impact that it has on the, the culture around the NFL, I think that you should take it into consideration. And he has, I saw coach Con, I saw coach Ron Rivera come out and saying that he's been working with the owner, Dan Snyder to come up with different names. And they're hoping that they can have that done by the start of the season. So I think it's long overdue. And, and the way that the world is moving, we, we don't have time for anyone to feel left out. So I think that, they should definitely uh, change the name and hopefully they come up with some creator. Absolutely. I can't, I can't knock it anymore. I think also like we were talking a little earlier, it's one thing when we get used to saying things and they're really offensive, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like the name just needs to be adjusted period. Mm-hmm. Um, it's self-explanatory and it's really nothing to go deep into detail about. It just needs to be changed. Now, August Alcina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <August>. first let- <laughs> First, let me say this. August Alsina put out his album, State of Emergency. I think it's really dope. I li- I'm about like 10 to 15 songs in. Favorite record on it so far is Work to Do. I think it's super fire. Uh, I think August Alsina, I'll just say this. I think that he has experienced a lot of trauma in his life. Mm-hmm. I think we have to be real careful when we look at people and we call them crazy or call them weird. Because not being in his situation doesn't give us the right to know where he's really coming from or even to really judge him, right? So I got to lift a lot of different vibes from him in that, in that interview because he sat down with Angela Yee from The Breakfast Club. Shout out to The Breakfast Club. And he just seemed like he's been exposed to a lot of pain and like he just wants to be real verbal about it now, right? So in saying that, he, he's clearly just made some allegations about him and Jada Pinkett and Will Smith giving him the go on, on, their, on their relationship. And we've heard in the media that they have an open relationship. I mean, I, I don't know them personally, so <laughs> I can't say yes or no to that. But um, all I do know is that Will said that that never happened. This is what Will Smith said. I, I didn't say it. And um, Jada Pinkett isn't having it either. I just hope nothing else surfaces to change the narrative. What's, what's your take on that? Well, first things first, <laughs> I, I understand when, when you become famous, when you reach a certain level Do you level really of success, understand? I, I do. I, 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 can, I, can, I can be sympathetic for certain people who've experienced a certain level of fame, certain level of success. 
that does open you up to exposure to a lot of different things. And like you say, I do feel like his issues are a little bit deeper, which explains mm-hmm. the energy and the emotion that you get from him. But with that being said, yeah, go ahead, even, get to it. Even get even it. if it was alleged that this did happen, I've always been taught you never kiss and tell. You never kiss and tell. So even if that was the circumstance, August, Holy why damn. why why now of all times is that the the avenue in which we want to take and make public? And again, it was denied by Jada. It was denied by Will. But again, I did see Jada come out and say that she needed to have a red table talk session. So I'm waiting to see that because I, I feel like I, I, so I don't what know we got to talk about. I don't, I don't know if guys just wake up and just lie on it, lie on themselves and just say that this happened and it didn't. But again, there's always two sides to the story. Maybe sometimes even three. Nah, it's three. So it's three. Yeah, three. It's the three. So <laughs> it's three. I, 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 I just I want to see what Jada has to say because she's the one that alleged these relations were with and though she denied it through social media it's always better to see this person's face to hear it come out their mouth to see their reaction and their emotions when they say it so when she when she lays out this red table talk i think that'll kind of waver my emotions on who i believe in this situation i think august is he's pushing for his brand real heavy right now like he's shooting on every single he has the docuseries on youtube uh, I think it's like five or six parts. Then he has the album that dropped. Then he has the the conversation with Angela Yee. And then within the conversation, he's making allegations about Jada Pinkett. It's just like, bro, take it easy. You know, like we see you coming, you know, we're, we're going to digest all the information and, and the content that you're pushing out. Like just, I know it's, I'm not going to say it's a brand new scheme, but I, I think that he should just, tread lightly right now and even if jada does have this table talk that she's saying she's gonna have i think it would be in his best interest whatever she says to just leave it alone just let it go in my opinion we talk about we talk about, about a list celebrities when you talk about jada pinkett smith and will smith. yeah just leave it alone like, you know what i mean like they like and again like you said earlier it's already kind of been alleged that this was the way that they rolled anyway we don't know to be true right, or so not. That what's, what's but so it's like point? like what's the point like, you what you hoping you, to get at she ain't about right, to marry you you, you won in the situation <laughs> if you did right mm-hmm. hold it down hold it all the Just way down hold it down it's one of those where i don't know how everybody else rolls but if you're in a situation you probably might have dealt with somebody um and when i say dealt with somebody i mean you know had had a relationship with them and y'all are just in public or certain things happen. It's just a certain way you're supposed to carry yourself. At least I believe, you know, especially when it comes to putting your business out publicly. And then the worst part is like, cause we know people can lie and say yay or nay about it. But when people really find out that it's not true and you trying to bounce back from being irrelevant for how many years, it just, it just, it just looks shaky. And I'm nobody yeah, to say he's saying the truth or he's not, but it just, you're shooting from so many different angles. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it looks to the public like he's reaching. To, me, how it to, me it's a, to me, it's an automatic loss. Because one, if you didn't do it, if you didn't do it, why are you lying? And two, if you did do it, why are you Why are you saying it? Right. So either me, way. So for me, it's either way it goes. It's an L. Loss, so it's either way it goes. It's an L. So I guess I have to take this L, but I'm still eager to see what Jada has to say. <laughs> that's a fact shout out to august will smith and jada 
Y'all are all killing it and doing your thing right now. Now, when we slide, when we slide to the versus TV segment, uh, Jada Kiss and Fab had a huge battle last earlier last week. Jada Kiss surprised a lot of people. Yeah. He surprised a lot of people. He played a lot of a lot of hood bangers, a lot of songs. Some people knew, some didn't. But I think what happened with Fab, I'm not sure what happened with him and DJ Booth, but it seemed like a miscommunication. I don't mm-hmm. know. I heard Jada say uh, earlier on the Joe Budden podcast that he was planning for it for a week and a half. His kids was calling him, Dad, you need to play this. Dad, you need to play that. And it looked like Fab just walked in there and was like, you know, we're we going to make it happen. We got a pot of like 30, 40 songs and we're going to get to it. And then it's like when the battle was kind of over, that's when Fab was playing all of the songs, the You Make Me Better, you know, just all his, his bangers. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. why weren't you playing those before you know so i don't know right. if it was miscommunication but big shout out to jada kiss um it's a win for him <laughs> like yeah man. the way people, i see it like it's, it's a win <clears throat> people sleep on jada kiss man he's been doing this since the 90s man when he was with the locks mm-hmm. him she styles rough P. riders so rough riders so a lot of people tend to sleep on him a lot and i think he was able to wake people up and as you saw he had a famous meme where he like mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, don't, sleep on, don't, don't sleep on me, man. I do this. So Fabulous does have tr- many, many hits. But I think what you said, I feel like he started firing a little too late. So by that time, Jada yeah. had already kind of It was won. too deep. It's like Jada, yeah. Jada already up. Mm-hmm. He was already up on the scoreboard. But you can't sleep. They're both two talented people. And they both repping for the same state in New York. That's a fact. So I, think that, so I think that that was just good for the culture as a whole. But again, I think Fab start firing a little bit too late. Too late. And I feel like, and I feel like Jada woke a lot of people up because he had a lot of bangers that were sleepers. And I feel like he did his thing and represented for the culture. But you know, see, here's the thing too, Troy. I have to say this: when you have Fab and you have Jada, you have to be real. Like Fab's more commercial when it comes to his right. music, and Jada gets more love from the street. So. Initially, how the how the rap game seems to be set up is like Fab is just more mainstream. More people are more inclined to know his music, right? Mm-hmm. But Jada has some fire features, you know. Like Joe Budden, on, honestly, was saying earlier too, he has some fire features, and Fab does too. You know, it's just when when we in terms of like talking money and recognition, the commercial is more so always going to win because they just get more recognition, you know. But people. For people who don't know Jada and don't understand the hip hop culture, they're not they gonna know. Him, they would consider him underground, but Jada's oh, actually yeah. been mainstream and have top tier hits too. So I think that yeah. that was just that was what I liked about Jada is that a lot of people going into that had him as the underdog. So I think that that was great that he was able to wake people up. But shout out to both of them, man. They both. That's a fact. Big shout out to both of them. It was a celebration. Yeah, it was. I, I, I and can't he turned even up. Know. <laughs> me turned up, man. I had to go grab me a cup of wine and get on IG Live. <laughs> just, just get in there and cop a little two-step. Yeah, so shout out to Jada and shout out to Fab. So Chris Paul is looking to create a docu-series on how HBCUs and their disadvantages that they're dealing with in terms of their basketball programs. Do you really feel like this is needed right now for the culture and is it a good idea? 
Yeah, I feel like it is needed, especially when you see the way that college basketball is transcending. We just talked about McCord Maker committing to HBCU. We're waiting to see what Mikey Williams is going to do. We just talked about Bronny potentially committing to a HBCU. So I think now the timing is perfect because this is something that is actually of interest and can really maybe waver some decisions for some of these young talents. So I think that that is a big step, and I commend Chris Paul for representing the young talent mm-hmm. and, and bringing some awareness to, to these college athletes and understanding that you don't always have to just run with the hype because that's a big name or we understand the history of that school. Sometimes we have to make history at these schools. And I think that that's what this documentary is going to allow a lot of these young kids and educate themselves on these HBCUs. And hopefully after McCord Maker made his decision, we may see a, a few more alongside with this documentary by Chris Paul. I think is is great because it's one thing to make a decision. It's another to know why you're making a decision. Mm-hmm. We all do things for a reason. And I think with this documentary, and hope, hopefully the younger generation is more willing to educate themselves now. And hopefully with this documentary, it'll just teach them so much and give them the background story on why they should be at these schools. You know, and mm-hmm. by no means am I saying that all black athletes should go to historical black colleges. That's not what I'm saying. I think that as a culture, our athletes need to understand where they come from and the top tier athletes shouldn't hesitate to go to an HBCU because of how big the school is, the size of the gym. Like I said before, they have to start somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's real imperative for us, especially as black people, we're struggling with understanding to own what's ours. Every other ethnicity has their own. And we're great in terms of sports. So I think that we should really capitalize that. But big shout out to Chris Paul and uh, partnering up on this project. And I can't wait for it to drop. I'm not sure exactly when it's going to drop yet, but I'm, I'm very excited for this. And, and I feel like this awareness is no different than when you see or when you say, go support a black business. I think it's no different. We it's the same thing. Kids- we want these young kids to start supporting black education and black sports. So I think that this, this documentary is going to allow people to open their minds and understand the history and hopefully begin to rally and support and advocate for these young talents to start getting their education at these black universities Absolutely. and playing sports. Yeah, 100%. And Carmelo and his son, Cayenne, were on the cover of Slam. You know, Melo popped out and, you know, gave a, a guest editor message for all of the viewers to read. So I thought that that was real dope as well, too. Big shout out to Melo and his son once again. And that's something else that we needed for the culture because we just need everyone to be on the same page right now and really just be working together as a team. So um, that was really great to see. I thought the cover was real dope. Yeah, me too, man. I think it's great for Carmelo being a father to show that leadership with his son. You know what I mean? Him being a young black man in this world, it just, it just creates a level of leadership. So I think Melo... Was, was a great person for that. And the way that he's been able to resurface and get his things back in order. This was a guy that we were talking about maybe a year or so ago was getting blackballed out of the league. So to now be able to be back in the league, be solidified. And, and let's not forget, he's around the same age as LeBron, 34, between 34 and 36. And he's still been able to play at a high level with the Portland Trailblazers. So I think that we got to give him credit when it's due. And again, I, su- I'm, I support him in the way that he's representing. And I love the fact that he did it with his son. You always got to be a leader for the youth. And just so everybody knows, I'm not a huge mellow fan at all. I'm a basketball realist. The way that people were disrespecting mellow was crazy to me personally. 
Is and is somebody else in the league right now that should be there as well by the name of Jamal Crawford, which I have no idea why he's not in the league. But to get back to Melo, just the way that people were saying he 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 was washed up. Like this is a Hall of Famer, 16, 17 years of playing in the league, and y'all are saying he's washed up. He's definitely better than at least easily eighty percent of the league right now. So All right, I, now, I just All right, yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. eighty. That's too. 75. 80? 65. 65? 65? We're not going to say 80 because we got to... some. Yeah, that, that was a stretch. We must say 65. I say 65 for sure. But again, to your point, he's still durable. He still can create a presence. He still is... Wait, so, so I got excited just now? I mean, you didn't get excited. I think you stretched I went a little far. A little bit. Okay, yeah, I, think I, I went crazy. We could, do, we, could, we could do like 68. 70. Yeah. So, but again, Melo, he 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 came back and he did what he was supposed to he do. Did he did work. Got, he got another shot and he's done work. So hopefully, you know, once the season starts back in the bubble, I hope that he could be able to contribute and play at a consistent level. And hopefully we'll see Portland in the playoffs and hopefully be able to make a run. Yeah. And big shout out to Dame Lillard, best point guard in the league. Yeah. And I CJ, what up? Well, yeah. So just so everybody knows, we're on all streaming podcast platforms we need you guys to tune in and like we told you last week pick your poison thank you for tuning in rob broom with t rose on the nba prospect podcast on the believe podcast network we out of here thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.